Thank you. Thank you, Abigail. <laughs> I was a bit confused myself. I was thinking, all right. Well, good morning. Thank you, worship team. Give them a hand and the sound team and the ushers and everybody else. Yeah, um, yeah. I was a bit confused. I was thinking, Did I, is this my first service? Anyway, well, it's good to be in church. Those of you who are online, uh, good, good day. I trust you are online because you couldn't make it, not because you wanted to sleep. Uh-huh. All right, anyway, whatever. God bless your life. All right, we are going to begin a new series today. I am aware that next week, because it's our anniversary, um, I will share a slightly different word. But for the next several months, we're going to look at kingdom authority. We're going to look at kingdom authority. And um, today, I'm going to start to talk about understanding your authority. Um, Apart from the fact that I have felt from the Lord to share this, um, I'm specifically motivated by a vision that I had earlier this week, a dream vision that I had. And I shared it with um, the leaders and with those who are part of the prayer team. Um, and uh, it's a really, really serious vision that kind of really underscores the need for us as believers to know our authority and to exercise our authority. If you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10. Hopefully, I will share what the vision is as I continue to teach. Luke chapter 10 from verses 17 to 20. Luke 10 from verse 17 to 20. It says, Then the 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So we're going to talk out of these verses, but I want to say a few things first. God's kingdom is a spiritual and supernatural kingdom. Uh, and from that vantage point, he then seeks to influence the natural, the physical, um, which in the end will also become a part of his kingdom. Um, right now, the physical has been polluted and the natural has been polluted, but when the Lord returns, um, the created order will come under the kingdom of God. That's the physical and the natural as well. And as believers, if we're committed to discipleship, we must understand and also exercise the authority of the kingdom of God that we have been invested with if we want to impact our salt and light. Many times, believers do not realize the authority that they have and what they can do and the arsenal or the weapons at their disposal. This vision that I had was so terrible because I saw two groups of people and initially, after this vision, I thought it was our church. 
But then in meditation, I realized that it's not just our church. This is like the general state of many churches uh, within the body of Christ. I saw two groups of people. The first group of people I saw were like in this environment, not, not this specific, but they were like an environment, a gathering environment, and they were standing next to desks, and they had chains on their neck, and the chains were tied to like a ball of iron in the desk, embedded in the desk. And next to them was a Bible. And they had holy Bibles, like a black Bible, holy Bible, closed. It was closed. And that was the vision. And then the second set of people I saw was a group of people that like come to church. It, it almost looked like our church. But again, it's, it's a symptom of the body of Christ at large. They come to church, but almost all of them had demons sitting on them. And then, so as I was looking at this vision, you know, with my curiosity, I wanted to see further, so I, I, I kind of zoomed in to look, and I saw, like, around the neck, where, where, they were, where, they were, where the demons was on top of them, there was like a chain linked to them and the demon um, embedded in their neck. And they had come to church, and I recognized one of the people. So don't come and ask me if it was you. I recognized one of the people. And, I, and, and then I also saw one or two others who were not influenced like that. And they were free and they could walk about and they didn't have this kind of oppression on them. Um, and, and so that really troubled me. And I realized from these visions that the Holy Spirit is saying something to me anyway. And that is that within the church, he's highlighting two types of people within the church at large, and that is those people who are bound, they come to church, they, 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 they come to church and worship, but they're bound to the tradition of church. And even though they have the Bible there, that will give them the insight and the revelation to be free, it's closed. So they never uh, look into the word of God for themselves in order to discover how to walk in the freedom that they have in order to free themselves from the shackle that the enemy has on their life. And then the second group, the reason why those demons were sitting on them was because of immorality. Um, in the dream, I knew it intuitively that it was because of immorality, and specifically that individual I saw was living, in an, uh, was living an immoral life even though they are active in church. And uh, again... The enemy was able to control this person because of bondage that that person had given themselves over to, and people in that same category, they'd given themselves over to bondage. So now they were locked in to bondage, and he could control them, and that's the chain to the neck. But all they needed again was the key to just unlock it, and the key, which is the word of God, to just unlock it, and they will be free. And so as I begin to teach on kingdom authority, I mean, I will be really specifically, as we go into it, treating the issue of deliverance and how you set yourself free and how you walk in freedom. And uh, hopefully you will be equipped to set yourself free. Can you say amen? I know you're still thinking about the vision, thinking, oh my goodness. But um, I pray that you, your heart will be open to hear what God wants to say to you through his word. So, as disciples of Christ... How many of you are disciples? Or you are pursuing discipleship? How many of you are pursuing discipleship? 
Okay, you, you don't, you're not going to respond, yeah? You're still thinking about the vision. I'm going to ask again. How many of you believe in Jesus? How many of you believe in Jesus? All right, so we got, we got that far. All right, how many of you want to go to heaven if you die? Okay, great. So uh, now I'm getting your attention. All right, how many of you are disciples? <laughs> Even if you're not, you're going to raise your hands, isn't it? All right, well, as disciples of Christ, we have to demonstrate God's kingdom in the same way that our Lord Jesus and his disciples demonstrated the kingdom. Just because we see a lot of powerlessness in the body of Christ, even in our own church context, does not mean the kingdom of God is powerless. Or does not mean that you cannot exercise your authority as a child of God. I really like what Lindsay shared because it really emphasized or um, amplifies the point that actually... You can use your faith in such a way that you endure difficulties, which is a good thing, or not just endure, but overcome. So whilst you're enduring, you also overcome because the purpose of faith is for you to overcome. And whatever it is that we face, we, we have weapons, we have tools at our disposal as children of God to deal with it. Say, I can deal with it. Yeah, you can. So... How did our Lord exercise the kingdom? How did God demonstrate? How did our Lord Jesus and the disciples demonstrate the kingdom? Matthew chapter 12, 28. This is what our Lord says. He says, but if I cast out demons by the spirit of God, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you or is among you. So our Lord is saying, the way in which I show you how the kingdom is operating is by the fact that I'm casting out demons out of people. I'm casting out demons. So in the same way as believers... If we want to demonstrate the kingdom, we have to be prepared to deal with this reality of addressing evil spirits and casting them out of our own lives and the lives of others. Look at Matthew 4, 23 and 24. And Jesus went, went, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all kinds of sickness and all kinds of disease among the people. Then his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all sick people who were afflicted with various diseases and torments, and those who were demon-possessed or demonized, epileptics and paralytics, and he healed them, and he healed them. You see this same um, pattern in the ministry of Philip in Acts chapter 8 where he goes to Samaria, preaches the gospel, and he casts demons out of people and heals the sick. That is the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's the good news about the kingdom of God. That message has not changed. It's the same message. It's just that we have diluted the message. We have diluted the message or we have tailor-made the message to suit our paradigm. But actually, it's the same message. And our Lord says in Matthew 24, 14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached to all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. So the gospel of the kingdom which our Lord demonstrated, help with the running around the children, please, which our Lord demonstrated and which our disi the disciples, rather, also demonstrated is to be continuously preached. So, beloved, don't settle for anything other than what you see in the Bible. Can you say amen? 
Now let's look at Mark chapter 16 from verse 17. You've heard me talk about this many times. I'm, and I'm going to read it again and just emphasize the point about the gospel. In verse 17, after our Lord says from verse 15, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He who believes and is baptized will be saved and he who does not believe will be condemned. 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So then, after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. Amen. Now you might say to me, Joseph, all well and good, but you yourself, when was the last time you cast a demon out of somebody? I think probably just before I went to Ghana. No, not Ghana. Just before I went to India in my office. I did a, a bit of that. So that's my answer. That's, that's, it's been a while, about a few weeks. <coughs> It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a normal occurrence, to be frank with you, and it should be a normal occurrence. It's just that many Christians, especially you modern-day Christians, you t um, uh, uh, teens, the Christians in the teens, uh, so 2010 to 2018, and the Christians in the um, O's, you know, 2000s, and the 90s Christians, you, some of you are not used to some of these things. Those of us born in the 80s, I mean, born again in the 80s, we saw some things. I wasn't born in the 80s. Do I look like I was born in the 80s? I wasn't born. We've seen some, you know, um, uh, but you know, the, the devil demons have become a bit sophisticated these days. So they like to hide behind certain things. But in our day, once in a while, you know, and it's going to be happening in, in this church pretty soon. It's going to be happening. We'll be, we'll be in a church and then you see someone, they'll scream because they can't handle it anymore, the power. And that's happening. It's going to be happening soon. And then you see people manifesting and it's really interesting. And uh, yeah, it's very interesting. I've got many stories. But the point I'm making here is this. Our Lord says these signs will follow believers and one of them is they cast out demons. First sign, they cast out demons. It's, it's kind of like a normal thing, but then look at verse Verse 19, so then after the Lord has spoken to them, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. He sat down at the right hand of God. In other words, he has done his bit. Right hand of God speaks of the place of authority and power. But he sat down in order for the church to rule. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere. The Lord, who is now seated in a place of authority, working with them, and he confirming the word through the accompanying signs. So as you, and we're going to talk more about how we release the kingdom. As you share the word, he confirms it with the accompanying signs. But if you're not sharing the word, if you're sharing something else, motivational speech, or you're sharing something else, come to my church speech, or you're sharing something else, my pastor says speech, then he can't confirm that. But if you talk about Jesus, um, uh, the other day, one of our uh, younger leaders um, led someone to Christ. They went to minister to them and cast demons out of them. Um, Todd, Todd and his wife over there. Isn't that right? Am I right? Yeah, they, they cast the demons out of the person and then baptized them. They did the whole work, the whole thing. They preached the gospel, cast the demons out, baptized them, started the church, sent them to heaven. No, no, no. They, they, no, 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 no. 
but they, they baptize us all. So my point I'm making this is that it's a normal occurrence if you stay with what the Bible has to say. Now, what do I mean by the term kingdom authority? Really, like I said, God's kingdom is supernatural and it's spiritual. It's primarily spiritual. But the kingdom of God really speaks of anywhere that God exercises rulership or anywhere that the will of God is clearly being demonstrated. And God's kingdom begins first in the hearts of human beings. It begins first in our hearts. In other words, in our hearts, Jesus comes to sit in our heart as Lord. He comes to be the Lord in our heart. And so because he's the Lord in our heart, his kingdom has come in our heart. You understand? Now, I'm going to say something that could be controversial. I'm not trying to be controversial. But a person can be saved. But not, Jesus is not Lord of their heart. Now, a person can be saved, but Jesus is not necessarily Lord of their heart. But if Jesus is Lord of your heart, you are saved. If Jesus is Lord of your heart, you are saved. Um, so... I'm just saying that, you know, I know I might lose some, some people with this one. But the point I want to make is, is this. The kingdom of God is where God reigns. It's where God reigns. As you're listening to me, is God reigning in your heart? Is he really reigning in your heart? Because if he's reigning in your heart, no demon can be sitting on top of you. I'm just telling you. If he's reigning in your heart then if there is oppression in your life, he, the Holy Spirit, will lead you and set you. I'm not saying that you can't have oppression in your body, but not where they're controlling your neck, which speaks of your will. Whatever you want to do, they bound your will. No. And the reason, like some of the things that as a pastor I have to deal with, it's like, I'm like, but the Bible says, and you hear, yeah, but. And you know where a lot of Christians hide behind? We're praying into it. And by that, they say, well, you know, I know what you're saying, but we're praying into whether we should forgive this person or not. Actually, a lot of people live in denial. So they'll say something like this. I have forgiven them. I have forgiven, but um, I am now praying about how I relate to them. Have you done that before? I'm asking you a question now. You're not going to talk. You've never done it before? Hey, I saw somebody say they've never done it before. Hey. Where we claim, we, you know, like many Christians, they know they should forgive people. So if, if I ever, whenever I confront them, you need to forgive. They say, oh, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. Doesn't mean I've I, 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 I forgiven. But when you look at their behavior, they have not forgiven at all. Are you still here? But when Jesus is the Lord of your heart, you have to forgive. You have to forgive. And if you don't forgive and you're taking communion, you're just exposed. That's why we take communion every day, every week. Sorry, maybe we should do every day, every week, so that we can make sure we are right with God. So the kingdom of God is the rule of God. It's wherever his will is being freely expressed and it begins in our hearts. But also God's word, the scriptures declare the kingdom of God like this. Romans 14, verse 17 says, For the kingdom of God... It's not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. 18, for he who serves Christ in these things 
is acceptable to God and approved by men. Therefore, let us pursue the things which make for peace and the things by which one may edify one another. So, the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking. In other words, the kingdom of God is not about your most immediate needs being met. That's eating and drinking. These are our most basic needs. The kingdom of God is not about meeting your needs. Isn't that an interesting thing? It's like most of our churches are tailor-made to have your needs met. But that's not what the kingdom of God is. The kingdom of God is not primarily about meeting your needs. It's about righteousness. What is that? In other words, what God approves of. It's about peace. What is that? In other words, what, that which is in harmony with God and his will. It's about joy in the Holy Spirit. Not just joy, but joy in the Holy Spirit. What is that? In other words, you delight in the things that the Spirit of God delights in. That is what the kingdom of God is. So if you want to examine your heart, look at your heart. Is your heart governed by what God approves of? Is your heart in harmony with God's will for your life? And does your heart delight in the things that the Holy Spirit delights in? Because that's what the kingdom of God is about. Another example of the kingdom, 1 Corinthians 4.20. For the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. The, in other words, the kingdom of God is not just talk, 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 but it's supernatural force. That word power is dunamis, the Greek word dunamis, which speaks of force, ability, strength, but it's supernatural force, supernatural strength, supernatural ability. That's the kingdom of God. And there is a great need for us as believers to exercise our authority. So, for instance, in this vision, the way those who are bound um, to that desk set themselves free is by opening their Bibles and accessing the keys to freedom in the Word of God. And the way those who are changed by demons of immorality set themselves free is by acknowledging their sin, repenting of their sin, renouncing their sin. And you know what happens? The chain unlocks. And once that happens, all you do is you command the thing to leave you. When I do deliverance ministry on people, at times when they first come to see me, they expect me to stretch my hands out and shout to the devil, whatever is in them, come out, you devil, and then they'll go, and then they'll go, and then, oh, that was really great. Instead, what they tend to find is I start asking them questions. Sometimes I've prayed, and then the Lord will give me revelation. And sometimes I just ask them a few questions about their life, what they've been up to, what's going on. And they're like, deep, deep down, they're thinking, oh, come on, okay, yeah, I'm asking about, come on, do the power thing now, do the power thing. But the reason why is because many times, and I'm dealing with Christians here, I'm not talking about unbelievers, which is different. Because believers that have demonic oppression active in their life, often is because there is some kind of legal right that they have given that demon, that spirit to operate by the choices they have made and by the way they are living. That's why those spirits of oppression are able to have influence in their life. 
Now, everybody gets attacked by the enemy. Our Lord himself got attacked. But there's one thing to get attacked. It's another thing to have the enemy living in your house. It's a completely different issue. So when I'm talking to them and stuff and we're waiting, so I say to them, let's wait on the Lord, is to address the root issues in their life. The root issues. And to undo whatever they've given the enemy access into their life. And beloved, often simple things like unforgiveness. That's like a big sign to the enemy. Come and live inside of me. Unforgiveness. Or things like um, not handling rejection properly. So when you feel rejected and you don't handle it properly with grace, it's like a big sign. It opens the door for the enemy to come in. Or many other things that we could talk about um, that uh, Christians are used to doing. So my point I'm making is, is that if you want to exercise your authority, you must understand what it is that Jesus has done for you and what Jesus expects of you. Let's look at the scripture that we read. In fact, before we look at that, Ephesians 5, I want to read this and then we'll look at Luke 10. Ephesians 5 from verse 11. Ephesians 5 verse 11. This underscores the point about how Christians give the enemy rights into their life. So from verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. In other words, whatever reveals what the real deal is, that is what light is. Light reveals what's really going on. Light gets to the bottom of things. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. You see, I believe that many believers are asleep spiritually. They've allowed themselves to fall asleep. And their eyes are closed to the light of Jesus that wants to show them how they're supposed to live. And that light is through his word. It says, rise from the dead. So those who are born again, who should be alive, are now dead. They're dead because they're living in dead works. Look over here, please. He says, see then. Now, this is how you rise from the dead. See then. That you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So the way in which you begin to rise from the dead is by embracing the will of God. Embracing the light of God's word. That's how you begin to rise from the dead, so to speak. That's how you begin to Shake off the shackles of the enemy's control over your heart and over your mind. Listen, I know what it's like to be tempted. I, you know, we're all tempted. And I know what it's like to be in bondage. I, as a believer, I was in bondage in so many different areas in this journey. 36 years is a long time. But one thing I realized early on is whatever the bondage was in my life, never to make an excuse for it. Not to make an excuse for it. Not to say, it's because I'm single. It's because I'm black. You know, at times, black people, if everything else is failing, it's because I'm black. The devil's attacking me because I'm black. You know, I can't get a job because I'm black. 
you know, the movies are bad because we're black. One film comes out and happens to have black people, and it's like there's heroes of black people, honestly. It's not even all that. Anyway, um, so I watched it, it wasn't all that. Anyway, is that sacrilegious? Is he black? Is he? Is that sacrilegious? I did that for it wasn't all that. I thought it wasn't all that. I watched it. I thought it wasn't all that. I did. I thought um, Sybil was better than this. I had a lot of white people in that one as well. Um, let me move on. You see, I'm deliberately doing that to address some of these bondages. It's a bondage. Christians like to blame all kinds of things. The reason why I am not free is because of the church that I was in. They didn't teach the doctrine. So they come to say, now I'm in this church, I'm going to be free. I, mm, I'm not so sure. Because you know what? There are people in this church who also need help. And they've been here a lot longer than you. You know, you, you come and say, wow, this is an amazing church. They teach the word. All my problems are solved. <laughs> In Jesus' name, may it be so. But the reality is, unless you know how to dig for the word yourself, it's not, it's, it's not going to, you, you might actually end up hating us after a while. So, the way you begin to set yourself free is by embracing the will of God. This is the wisdom. This is the wisdom that God gives to us. He says, don't be like a fool. He says, do not be unwise or do not be a fool, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So you can know the will of God. Beloved, you can know the will of God. All right, let's look at Luke, let's Luke 10 from verses 17 to 20. So from verse 17, he says, then the 70 returned with joy, saying, the Lord, he's saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. The first point I want you to know is this, is the 70 were surprised at the authority they were able to exercise. That's just like us. When we exercise a bit of authority, if we, let's say you pray for someone and they get healed, you think, wow, yeah, hallelujah. Now I'm also in the healing, I'm also in the healing minister's company. No, beloved, as a believer, he says, all you have to do is to believe and lay hands on the sick and they recover. It's not a big deal. For a Christian who's a born-again believer to lay hands on somebody and they get healed. These disciples were surprised that when they commanded demons to come out, they were coming out. And I have seen that believers, we are often surprised because of the authority that we exercise in Christ when we see its results. The enemy often is able to access God's people because they don't know their authority. That's the first reason, ignorance of the word of God. And the scripture says this, in Isaiah 5.13, my people have gone into captivity, into bondage, because they have no knowledge. They have no knowledge. So why were they surprised? Why were those disciples surprised? They, they, they saw Jesus do it, and he said, go and do it, and they probably thought, uh-oh. And as they went and they prayed for the first person and they were healed, cast the first demon out and went, they suffered. wow, this is amazing. And as they did it, they thought, wow, this is amazing. I want to say this to you. That's going to be your testimony. As you begin to step out in faith and you get surprised, you're going to become used to dealing with the enemy. If you agree, say amen. amen. But the reality is 
The enemy is able to access a lot of God's people's lives, not because they lack authority, not because they don't have the authority of God's kingdom in their life, but because they are ignorant of it. They are ignorant of it. They are ignorant of what God's word says. Or secondly, they allow the enemy legal rights in their lives. Now look at Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. He says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Or don't give the devil a foothold. So what is he saying to us? He's saying to us that he's showing us something that as a believer, through your temperament, you can close the door to the enemy accessing you or you can open the door. So don't let, do, he said be angry, be angry and do not sin. So you can be angry about something without sinning. And then he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. In other words, make sure by the end of the day you have dealt with whatever it is. Because you and I know what happens. If I go to bed angry with anybody, I get up more angry. You get up and you say, huh. How could I have done that? I can't believe they said that to me. I can't, I can't believe. But you, sometimes we say something like, right, I'm going to go to bed now. I'm, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore. I'm going to bed now. Maybe husband and wife, this never happened to you before. But maybe it's happened to some of you. I'm not saying this has ever happened to me and Aisha. I'm not saying that. So it's okay. You know what? Let's just, I'm just going to bed. You know what? I'm just going to bed. By the time you're up, you're more angry. Has that ever happened to anybody? It's normal. But what then can happen is if you keep allowing that to fester, you open the door for the enemy to come in. You give place to the devil. So at times, believers... Give place to the devil. There's another scripture somewhere. It says this. Whoever lets down the hedge, the serpent will bite. You can allow the protection of God on your life to be broken because of deliberate sinning. Deliberate sinning will open that door. And then the enemy can bite you. Yeah. And then another reason why a lot of people um, are not able... Are, are quite um, allow the enemy, sorry, to come into their life is because they refuse to believe the word of God. They refuse to believe what God says about their authority. Now, you might be surprised about this, and the reasons vary. Sometimes people refuse to believe it because they feel they're not worthy. Sometimes people refuse to believe it because of what they've been taught. Sometimes people refuse to believe it because of the implications of change that has to happen in their life. Look at Hebrews chapter 3 from verse 12 to 15. He says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So really watch yourselves, he's saying to these believers, watch yourselves that there isn't an evil heart of unbelief which causes you to depart from the living God. Verse 13, But exhort or stir or encourage one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. In other words, we remain and joyous and sharers of Christ as we maintain our faith. 
as we maintain our faith. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. One of the reasons why I believe it's so important for believers to go to church regularly is because often, and I'm convinced of this, church is the environment that God uses to bring fresh manna for his people at different levels. So you find, if you, if, you, if, you, if you look at your life, you find this, that every time you hear the word of God, it's almost as if suddenly things make sense. In that, in that moment, things make sense. Ah! Now what tends to happen with a lot of people, as they leave, they then default back to, yeah, but. Yeah, but. And so, what, the word that washed them, they allowed that washing to remain till they leave those doors. What I learned very early as a Christian was that to be able to say, I've got 10 minutes left and then I'm done. To be able to say, <laughs> to be able to say, I don't know what clock you're using. To be able to say, when I'm hearing God's word, yes, Lord. So if I hear something that contradicts what I was thinking, but it resonates as true, I say, yes, Lord. So let's say I'm hearing something and he says, the preacher's preaching, and I realize, oh my goodness, I lied to my parents about this thing. I've stolen it. I will say, yes, Lord, which means when I go home, I'm going to go straight, not do anything to my parents and say, mom, dad, I stole this. Here it is. I'm not going to say, I found it. No, I'll say, I stole it. Here it is. Because that's how the word will be sealed in my heart. Or like, uh, you know, I used to struggle with sexual things. I don't mind saying it, but my children are here. I don't even mind saying it in front of them, but, you know, they will beat me up after it. So uh, I used to struggle with things that teenagers struggle with, use your imagination. And I used to struggle with this. I used to struggle with it as a teenager. Beyond teenage years, I used to struggle with it. And every time I hear the preaching, it will hit that point. It will hit it. Whatever they were preaching on, they could be preaching about anything, but somehow it will hit that thing. Bam! They won't mention it by name, but they're preaching. Whether it's about the love of God, whether it's about the Godhead, whether it's about salvation, whether it's about money, somehow it somehow seems to hit my issue. And I will say, yes, Lord. And in our church, we had this tradition. After we preach, the preacher preached, he would say something like, those of you who have sinned and you need to sort your life out, come here. That was normal church practice. I don't know, maybe we should bring it here. So, Abigail and these guys will testify. I'll often be the first one there. Every week. So it's kind of like, yeah, we're weird though, you know. Every week you're sorting your life out. But you know what was happening to me? I was being changed. Because I was responding to the word in faith. And I couldn't give a monkey's. In other words, I didn't care, in case you don't understand what that means. Whether you thought I'm in some bondage or not, all I needed was to be free. So I'll be coming here, I'll be coming here, I'll be coming here, I'll be coming Until there came a time, I wasn't coming so regular anymore. Because I was free. That's how it is. So never be embarrassed about your issues. As we teach into this, never, never, never be embarrassed. Because that's how the enemy has you. The unfruitful works of darkness, he likes you to hide it. 
As long as you hide it, he has you. But when you expose it, it's in the light. And once it's in the light, you can be set free. So, that is how the enemy is able to have people. Through ignorance of the word, through allowing um, legal rights, and also a refusal to believe God's word. And then, quickly, in the next seven minutes that I have left, second point in this verse, verse 18, our Lord says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now, you need to know that the enemy and his cohorts are defeated foes. I've done a lot of demonology, as in dealing with demons in the past, and they are good at bluffing. You tell it, come out, and they'll say, I'm not coming out. You say, come out. They'll say, you, 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 you yourself, you're weak. You're weak. You don't have no power. You can't tell me to come out. And they can be very intimidating, especially if they add some kind of, like you've got this little, say, young girl with a man's voice speaking back to you. It's kind of a bit spooky. I'm not coming out. It's like, hey. And then, you're weak. <laughs> I remember once that happened to me, I lost it. The demonized person, woman. You're weak. It's like the exorcist. It's like I was watching a film, but I was in this movie. And I was going, you're weak. I was like, no, 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 now you're taking the mic. First of all, you just kind of spooked me with your voice, and now you're calling me weak. And I cast it out, hallelujah. And we had to cast it out. But the point is, they're good at bluffing, but they are defeated. They are defeated. He says, I saw Satan fall like lightning. Bam! Done. And all the enemy's goals are defeated. This was even before the cross. But then after the cross, look at what the scripture says. And I want to read this in the um, New Living Translation, verse 14 and 15 of Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 from verse 14 and 15. He says he canceled the record, Jesus canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it, nailing it to his cross. Nailing it to the cross, sorry. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them in, in the cross, on the cross. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Now, what I have learned is that whether in my personal life or whether in ministering to people to hide in what Jesus has done on the cross, we don't deal with issues in our life on our own authority. You don't deal with it with your own willpower. You deal with it with faith in what Jesus has done on the cross. Can you say amen? Also, third point from this verse, verse 19, he says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by enemies hurt you. We must know our authority as believers. Look at that word, behold. That word behold is look, see. I have given it to you. I have given you the right. That word I've given you authority means I've given you the right to exercise power over all the power. That word power is ability, dynamis, strength of the enemy. 
So whatever the principality is, whatever the force is, if it's coming against your life, you have the authority to exercise power over it. Serpents and scorpions are metaphors of the characteristic of the enemy. Wise as a serpent, stings like a scorpion. Crafty. So all his crafty works, all his, his weapons of deception, you have the authority to exercise power over it. Yeah, you have it. At times, believers, and as we go into this teaching, I'm going to teach about how you undo legal rights because it's a very, very, it's such an important point, how you undo. Because often believers say something like, oh, this type of demon is a high principality. And of course, there are ranks. And as for this one, it needs this kind of fasting. As for that one, no. The, the, the thing that needs kind of fasting is not the demon. It's the heart of the person dealing with them. That needs to be changed through the fasting. Not the demon. The demons were already defeated on the cross. But often, we are intimidated by what we see. We are intimidated by the history. You know, so-and-so had cancer, so-and-so had cancer. Like, like you've heard me say, in my family, it was insanity. I was named after my grandfather who went insane when he was 30 and died at 33. And as a young boy in my teens, somebody read my tarot and said, at the age of 30, you're going to go mad, and at the age of 33, you're going to die. I didn't think much of it until I found out about um, my grandfather. But you know what? When I became a Christian, that didn't bother me. It didn't bother me. And you've heard me say, I, I threw a challenge to the demons and the, the principalities and the powers. I said, when I hit 30, you're going to go insane, not me. And by the time I'm 33, you're going to die, not me. I am 53 this year. Hallelujah. So there you go. Because I knew it had no power over me anymore. It had no power over me anymore because my life is hidden with Christ in God. Colossians 3.3, 3, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So therefore, I don't have to fear about generational curses in the bloodline because my blood is linked to the blood of Jesus Christ. Not Adam. No. My blood, I have a new, I had blood transfusion when I got born again. Yeah, that's what happened. The blood of Jesus went into my bloodstream and broke the chains between me and Adam forever. And Adam and all my, my, my father's lineage, my mother's lineage, all of that broke. One day, I was told, I was in there, family members, some people went to see somebody who had powers. Some people in my family, I don't know which part of the family, I have two sides of family, so family. And uh, the people began to talk about our family and mentioned all the names of some of my siblings, but they said they noticed they didn't mention my name. I said, of course, they can't mention mine because, you know, I'm, I'm different. My blood. So one of my siblings was like, this is out of order. How can they be mentioning, you, not mentioning your name? And my name was mentioned. I said, I don't know. You, you have to check your own life out. <laughs> Hallelujah. Yeah, you have to believe that your life is hidden with Christ in God. Can you say amen? And then the fourth point from this verse, we must celebrate our salvation, verse 20. He says, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Listen, yeah, you have authority, but that's not the good bit. The good bit is your name is in the Lamb's book of life. That's the good bit. 
The good bit is that you're saved, you're being saved, and you will be saved. That's the good bit. You're saved from hell and damnation forever because of faith in Jesus and the cross. You're being saved through the renewing of your mind in your personality to become like Christ. And then when Jesus returns, you're going to be saved through your glorification in your resurrected body, in your changed body. That is what you should be happy about. But you know, at times, we miss it. And we allow our focus to be on things that don't matter. So as we continue to talk about authority, I want to encourage you, child of God, you have authority. Can you say amen? amen. You have authority and you must begin to exercise that authority. May the Lord bless you. I want to pray over you before I hand back to Abby. So if we can just bow our heads, close our eyes. Those of us that have felt buffeted by the enemy, felt like he's been slapping us around or we've allowed him to slap us around, but today we're saying no more. We're going to begin to use our authority. We're going to learn it. Even the little that you've learned today, you're going to begin to exercise it, but you're going to be studying it yourself and you're going to be studying it as we study it together. You've made up your mind. You're going to walk in your authority. If that is you stand where you are, please don't stand unless, don't stand unless you have been harassed by the enemy. This has been going on in your life and now you are making a stand. In other words, this is not for everybody. This is not everybody who wants to consecrate. It's those of you who've been harassed by the enemy, but now you're saying you're making a stand and no more. You're going to walk in your authority. As you stand, raise your hand to the Lord. I still need to pray for that person with a problem in their Achilles heel. So if that is you, after, at the end of the service, come and let me pray over you. And also, I still need to pray. There was somebody who had a head problem, but there is somebody else as well. I need prayer for that. So I'll pray for you at, um, at the end of the service. As you're standing right now, I want you to just consecrate yourself to the Lord. Just, in other words, give yourself to the Lord and tell the Lord you're saying yes to his will in your life. You're saying yes to his will in your heart. You are saying yes to his kingdom in your heart. Kazuria, Manderia, Subrenda, Maresho, Feriendo, Father. As these are standing right now, I speak grace over them. Grace to walk in the authority you have called them to. Receive grace in Jesus' name to walk in your authority as a child of God. For grace has already been supplied to you. But now by faith, receive it. By faith, receive it. By faith, receive it. As you leave this room, you will walk in your authority. You will walk in your authority. I rebuke oppressive spirits. Leave these right now that are standing. Leave their mind. Leave their emotions. Leave their bodies. Holy Spirit, I ask you, mantle them right now. Mantle them. Mantle them. Mantle them. Afresh. Afresh. Let angels minister to them as they stand before you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. The Lord bless you. Thank you. Take your seats. Abby.